Roll tight, everybody, and welcome to Bama Talk. I'm Steve Sample, along with engineer-producer Mark Phillips at Airwave Studio in Birmingham, Alabama. And we're glad you're here because if you're anything like us, you love your college football, but you like it best colored crimson. We'll be talking about a variety of issues from various viewpoints, but the centerpiece of the conversation here is going to always turn back to Bama. Our teams, our traditions, our people, our passions. And it makes my job easier, too, because I don't have to try to explain to some people why Leonard Skinner didn't write Sweet Home Mississippi. Hey, but hey, everybody's invited. Everybody's welcome. So pull up a chair and hang with us a while. Sometimes we're going to be serious. Sometimes we'll just be having fun. And we may mess with you a little bit, but we'll try not to make you too mad. Uh, Before I forget about it, be sure to subscribe to Bama Talk while you're here on iTunes and avoid the absolute horror of missing out on even a single episode. Uh, Also, check out the Bama Talk Facebook page. It makes a nice addition to your daily list of non-productive activities. Quick shout-out, Eddie Lowe, former team captain of the 1982 Alabama Crimson Tide football team, was just elected mayor of Phoenix City, Alabama. We want to congratulate him. That's great news. Uh, One other quick word, quick shout-out to the the over-the-mountain TD club uh, here in the Birmingham area. These guys have really got it going on, bringing in national guests and speakers. Just want to say hello to them. Moving along. Most of us get our news about the Tide from a variety of sources. The sports page of the local paper, a few clips on the evening news, various websites, ESPN and their family of networks, a tidbit or two on Twitter, and you might be hungry enough for a morsel about the Tide to try and find a sports talk radio show that hadn't been hijacked by the Hatfields and the McCoys. But now, in fairness, uh, I do access all of these mediums, and I'm glad they're available. A lot of great people work in them, or did at one time, and in fact, one of those guys is going to join us today. But most of those mediums offer small doses of the good sports medicine we all crave, mixed in with a lot of stuff that's usually kind of hard to swallow. In contrast to that, our focus here again is on Bama, so that when in the course of human events we refer to other teams and schools, we generally do so within the context of how they play a part, or not, in the world order as we see it. Now in this area, Alabama football's been the main money crop for sports-related industries for a long time. There is, of course, some interest in other teams and other schools. I mean, there are blue dots out there, but it's a red state, and I'm not talking about politics, y'all. But if you're going to make your living in sports-related media around here, you're either covering Alabama football or being affected by it one way or the other. Uh, Our guest today is a guy I'm proud to say is a friend, a guy that's been part of the sports scene in the Birmingham area for a long time, and he's had a very unique, up-close, and personal view of Alabama's primacy in this particular market. I got to know him when he was working with the Birmingham Stallions of the United States Football League, but before that, he also worked for the Birmingham Americans and the Vulcans of the World Football League, uh, the Birmingham Bulls of the World Hockey Association, and was executive director of the Hall of Fame Bowl. Not a bad resume for a kid that started out selling watermelons on the beach. Now, he's not a Bama guy, but he's a good guy, and I think it'll be interesting to hear his take on things. Bob Lockamy, how are you, and what are you up to these days? Well, Steve, number one, let me say this. It's great to be here. I'm so excited about what you and Mark have put together here, and and, and just incredible. Uh, I I actually have a job, and and my wife, who just retired from teaching, is so excited that uh, the Allstate folks uh, have brought me on board. Most folks don't know this. Allstate competes daily with the Duck. 
uh, and I'm serious, really, with, with that. Uh, the quack af- attack. The quack attack with that. And I'm not talking about Oregon. I'm talking about the Aflac duck. And no, I'm the, out- du- the duck dresses better. Well, it depends on which duck, yeah. It's, uh, but seriously, I'm, I'm out there fighting every day with that dadgum duck, and, and Allstate has a has a division called Workplace. All uh, Allstate benefits, actually, now more formally. But So it's good to have a job. It's good to have you know that base. But, uh, Steve, if I could back up, I want to clarify something. I grew up. A Bama boy, okay, and and if I could, before we go any further on that, Phoenix City, Alabama. Correct me, but uh, uh, Jeremiah Castile, if I'm not mistaken, that's his hometown. You're absolutely right. And see, I'm proving right away that I have great respect and admiration for the University of Alabama uh, football program, and 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 all. And historically, I go way back to when Joe Namath got in the end zone, but did not score a touchdown against Texas. And what was it, '64? The 1964 Orange Bowl. Well, Bob, one of the reasons I'm really glad you could come by today was that, you know, even though we wear different colored shirts on Saturdays, we always have Are a Are you good... looking at this sweater vest? Uh, that Man, that thing looks good on you. And what, what, what knit shirt do I have under? What it's, color? It's white. It's crimson. You're looking spiffy, bud. Yeah, don't look below the waist, though. I mean, you know. No, no, those, no, no. Those we, aren't britches. We right. wouldn't do that anyway. But we're going to take a picture of you and post it on the Bama Talk Facebook page so everybody can see you in all hey, your Steve, glory. Let me, let me repeat. I grew up a Bama boy. I got no problem with Alabama football. I, I do not. Now, once a year, once a year, I lean orange and blue. But the rest of the year, and you can believe me or not, and you're looking at me eye to eye, I don't pull against the University of Alabama. I, I do not. Now, can you look me in the eye and tell me that you do or don't pull? Uh, do you pull for the Auburn Tigers except once a year? Here's what I do. Uh, when I'm watching a game that doesn't involve Alabama, whatever team, whatever team's playing, and then whether they win or lose benefits us in the polls, that's what I go have, with. Have you considered politics? Uh, no. Well, you should. No. Um, no, I, I certainly haven't. Because you dadgum sure didn't answer my question. <laughs> the question is very simple. No, uh, you know, I think to give you credit, Steve, I think you did a good job answering the question without answering the question. Well, thank you very much. And I, and I admire that. <laughs> but, you know, I've come to learn, though, and, and I'll sort of setting the kidding aside, uh, these past few years, and I, I know you'll agree with me because uh, we've talked about this over lunch a couple of times, I've come to learn the difference between an opponent and an enemy. And I can say without reservation and with thankfulness that I enjoy games more these days because of it. Uh, I've always had the impression, Bob, uh, that you must have learned that at an earlier age than I did because I've never known you to get sideways with anybody over sports, even in these settings around here where the rivalries run really hot. Now, what kind of mindset have you tried to maintain over the years about being in an area so heavily influenced by Alabama football that's made it possible for you to have success in all these various ventures you've been involved in? Well, I'm going to pay tribute to my late dad, uh, without question. Uh, uh, my, my late father in, in high school, at Woodlawn High School, along with uh, uh, Coach Bowden, and uh, uh, who was the great Alabama, uh, jumped up the, the, the jump pass. Harry Gilmer. Yeah, Harry Gilmer, and all. And, and I should have remembered that number 52. From, you really uh, should have. Well, I just gave you his number, didn't I? And, and But my dad wanted to play football in high school, and his father told him, he said, you can't. you got you got to work. And and so he walked out the door at the house, and, and the high school, Woodlawn High School, was to the left. Yep. And the Army recruiting office was to the right, and he became a tank driver in World War II. Came home and got into the restaurant business after driving a bread truck for Tip Top and Coca-Cola uh, truck also. And, and But the way we grew up, Steve, is that you never used the Lord's name in vain in our house. And we really weren't in church. 
But my father, that was his that was his testimony. And and also you never pulled against Alabama or Auburn uh, during the regular season, and he calculated as the season went along who his sentiment was going to be with in the Iron Bowl. If Pat Sullivan had won the Heisman Trophy as he did, then we're probably going to pull for Alabama because he wanted Johnny Musso to have a big ball game. If it was Coach Jordan's last game, and Alabama did not need the win to go to the Sugar Bowl at that time to compete for the national championship – then we're going to pull for Coach Jordan and the Auburn Tigers. Coach Bryant's 315 win. Coach Bryant's last game. You know, that, and I love, I still love my father for that because he taught us something. And, and that's part of my philosophy. Uh, now, my days with Mr. Feinbaum changed that to a degree because I raised the question one day on the show can you imagine Feinbaum making a snide remark about Auburn University? And I looked at him, Steve, as I'm looking at you right now, and I said, Feinbaum, can't you show Auburn any respect? And he said, Aubie, we did not ask you to speak. We'll be right back. <laughs> and, and that's how it went. And now a word from our sponsor. Yeah. <laughs> well, yeah, you know, and speaking of that, uh, Musso and Sullivan, uh, I was lucky enough to have a 40 or 45-yard line ticket at that 1971 Iron Bowl at Legion Field. It was in prime time. It was on TV. Uh, the Thursday before, two days beforehand, uh, Pat Sullivan had won the Heisman Trophy. Auburn had lost only one game that year to LSU by a fairly significant margin, but they only had one loss. Alabama was undefeated. Auburn was 9-1. We were 10-0. It was 11-game season back then. And uh, I know people think that with the stadiums that we've got now that the, uh, the, the game day atmosphere is fabulous. It's incredible. The intensity is wonderful. The, the Iron Bowl is always an intense game. But when, when those teams came out of the dressing rooms, the locker room, and ran out on the field right before kickoff that night, uh, and Legion Field was about 72,000 then, uh, I thought the place was going to lift off the ground. That well, might it, that might have been as good a pregame atmosphere as I've ever seen. It was anything. incredible. And as you recall, Johnny Musso had turf toe. Yeah. Had, a, had a turf toe issue going into that ball yep. game. And, uh, you know, I, I recommend turf toe to everyone after that because he had a phenomenal game. And uh, my dad was as happy as could be because his his evaluation of the, why we were pulling for the for the Alabama Crimson Tide that day, and we grew up with Pat Sullivan. Pat's mom and dad, and my mom and dad, were all friends in high school. But, Pat, uh, Pat's a good guy. Mark Phillips, our our friend in there the, on the controls, and Pat are both cancer survivors. Uh, they are buds, yes, and, and they uh, are buds. And, and let me say this: Coach Sullivan has been a little bit under the weather this week. It's been a tough week getting ready for Furman to I come in. I saw that. I saw that. And uh, pneumonia. Yeah. So thoughts and prayers with Coach Sullivan and Gene, his better half, and all their great family. And uh, Mark, uh, you know, guys like Mark and Coach Sullivan are, are heroes on my list, and they have fought the fight, continue to fight the fight, and uh, you know, and it's uh, it's great tribute to guys like that. There you go, Bob. Sports Talk Radio, which you've been so involved in now that you uh, brought up Paul. Started carving out a place. No, I didn't bring up Paul. I brought up Feinbaum. Oh, okay. I am not going to get on a first. My therapist will not allow me to be on a first-name basis with Feinbaum after being with him 11 years. She just does not think it's in my best interest to go first name. Now, his, his wife is my doctor, and, and Dr. Hudson, you know, so, so, I mean, she wouldn't even take his last name. That may be as close as you want to get. That's about it. Okay. Yeah. No, but, no, no. Go ahead. I just. <laughs> but, you know, uh, talk radio. Is, I think is... the world, uh, let me say this, Steve. I think the world of Paul Feinbaum, 
uh, I think he is the best uh, at what he does and, and as hard as he were. I know this. If there's anybody else in this market, Rick and Bubba, close by all means and probably equal as far as how hard they work and how well they do. Uh, and perform, and that's what Coach Stallings told me one time. Uh, he said, don't, don't tell me how far you ran at practice or how many push-ups you did or whatever. Just perform. And those three guys are performers, and uh, Paul is incredible. And I think we've been blessed to have Paul here since uh, the early 80s. Well, it certainly changed the face of, of this area when it comes to broadcast media. You know, I, was, uh, it's, I started listening to talk radio, gosh, in the 70s, but I know there's been a sports talk radio presence in the Birmingham uh, area since the 60s. And then by the early mid-80s, there was, uh, you know, it was the hot topic around the water cooler. But the watershed moment in sports talk radio around here uh, came in the fall of 1988 when uh, you and Mr. Feinbaum went on the air with a show that aired five days a week. What was the lead-up and the planning for that show like? And would it have even been feasible uh, without knowing that Bama football would be a surefire demographic draw. Alabama football is the, is the foundation and the catalyst. But Alabama is the base, and that's incredible tribute to the University of Alabama. That is the foundation. That is the base. And I'll take you back in the 60s, Dave Campbell. The late Dave Campbell had a show at WAPI called The People Speak. And he committed Friday nights from 9 till midnight. He was a nightly show. Uh, to high school football first, and then guys like Alvin Bressler would come in and talk about high school football. I would come in and talk about, uh, in the early 70s, mid-70s, the hockey team we had here. And, and But Dave was a general talk, and then Eli Gold got calling all sports started. But, you know, Eli could talk about the Iditarod, and he could talk about hockey, he'd talk about NASCAR, he'd talk about baseball, and then he'd start talking about football, and a lot of folks would start listening. And it's all because of, and Auburn folks can get upset with me, and I'm an adopted member of the Auburn family. I'm a Gadsden State tennis player and a UAB Urban Studies graduate, uh, you know, who got adopted into the Auburn family. I worked with Coach Tuberville. I worked with Chet Williams, a chaplain. Uh, I think the world of Coach Chiswick and what he's doing there now, for one reason, because he kept Chet Williams, uh, the chaplain there at Auburn, the Jeremiah Castile counterpart, and Gary Kramer and Scotty Hollins at Alabama, those guys, doing the show as he did, calling all sports, yep. answers your question to a great degree. If you're in Lexington, Kentucky, to heck with all sports. You're basketball. If you're at the University of Alabama home state right here in Birmingham, Alabama, why? I mean, Paul hit the nail on the head. Our show is called Sports and Stuff. And we talked about stuff occasionally, uh, you know, O.J. Simpson and blood splattering and all that kind of stuff for a moment. But you got to talk football about 99% of the time. And, and in this area, you know, I'm just wondering what it might have been like sitting in, sitting in on a meeting uh, for – uh, planning that show us and, we didn't and, have and, any meetings and, and or or let's say you let's pretend like you did and we're okay. sitting in a meeting yeah. yeah and there's no alabama football oh there's no meeting there's, there's no, no show. meeting there's, no, there's show. no show now that's not to discount the interest like i say in other teams and schools but if you're gonna can you imagine i can't Bob, we, no. we we get we walk out of the studio today and we there's a uh, we get a text that there's been this horrific announcement that Alabama football has shut down, it's through, it's gone. Can you imagine how many radio and TV station sales managers are out jumping off a building somewhere? Well, if you're talk radio here in Birmingham, even Feinbaum, you're going to have four or five more shows and that's going to be it. Well, let's have a little fun with a hypothetical. Bob, you're sitting in the office, the phone rings, you're contacted by some folks that want to get into the professional sports business in this market. 
They've got funding. They've got backers. They've got people in place. Uh, they've got resources, but they want to do something that's got a chance to be successful. And what that means is not bumping its head up against Alabama football and all the other uh, collegiate sports interests that occupy this area. What do you do? Well, I think you you, you look at history for one thing. Uh, my wife, the retired history teacher, uh, says that you know most people need to understand history teaches you. Uh, about what was good and what was bad, and I tell you what I would do. I would, I would. We still have the BJCC uh, Civic Center and Coliseum. Right. Uh, I would put the ice back down on the floor, and I would get a National Hockey League franchise, and I would get that because you're not pitting the crimson and white against the orange and blue. And we did that back in the '70s, Steve. And we averaged over eight thousand people a game for forty something games a year. Tickets paid for. These weren't comp fluff tickets, and. Uh, it was exciting to see the sports fan uh, here that could come to those games, and that's exactly what I would do. I wouldn't bring the NBA back in here. I mean, again, you're going to have Alabama and Auburn. You draft the wrong person. But I will say this. you know, There, there are club hockey teams now at Alabama and Auburn, and they played a couple of years ago, and I went down to the Pelham Civic Center to watch that event, and it was ugly. Uh, Alabama was up 13-2 in the first, uh, you know, part of the game and uh but huntsville's got a great hockey team alabama has club hockey uh uh auburn has club hockey and if we had a hockey team back here uab ought to have a club hockey team so so what you're saying is basically if if, while there's always been a lot of talk about trying to get sports franchises in birmingham picking something that wouldn't that wouldn't be divisive that wouldn't divide the populace in half picking something that uh, that will say both sides uh, could in possibly all fans, all enjoy fans, to, fans, to the yeah. extent that there yeah. would be any interest in it and whatever that interest was could sort of share it and it wouldn't be sort of like uh, the kind of thing where uh, you know you're worried about what color the uniforms were right I mean you know we had we've had so many different things here but if we had it's got to be major league though Steve uh, but I think hockey's the answer you know I was noticing in the paper just this morning Bob that there I, I believe there are 119 or 120 division one programs uh, playing college football, and only about 20% of them actually realize a profit. Uh, so most of them deal with annual deficits. They, they operate in the red. Uh, I just saw where Tennessee, uh, an historic program with a huge fan base and more resources than most, posted the $3.98 million deficit for the 2011-2012 fiscal year. Well, that's that's where the responsibility comes back to the head football coach, and uh, Derek Dooley's on the hot seat uh, for that reason along with other reasons. But I think Derek Dooley's one of the best coaches in America. He just inherited one of the greatest atrocities that anybody has, has pulled off, and that was Lane Kiffin in Knoxville. Uh, you know, and, and let me say this, though. Uh, a lot of times, I think that's a statistic, okay? Because a lot of athletic directors and a lot of presidents of universities will tell you that the contributions to the overall university and institution parallel the one loss record on the football field. And you might have a team that's 30th or 40th in the country, but they bring winning traditions in and contributions to the dental school and the ag school and the law school and everything else. So I, I think the athletic departments are unfairly gauged on that. Uh, but that's a statistic that you can't really measure. Yeah, and I was just thinking that, uh, speaking of things you can't measure or control, Tennessee's problem might have been a drop in the stock prices of moonshine, but that's another conversation. 
Anyway, the revenues were right at $106 million, but they spent more than $110 million. Now, I can't really say I cried myself to sleep last night over it, but it does show how hard it is to stay afloat when times are tough, and they're not going against the local competition like they would be against Alabama in this market. You know, it's just an interesting uh, dynamic, Steve, as to the, the economics, the impact, the non-economic impact and all that a football team, and that's back to Alabama here. I made a comment once years and years ago in the Birmingham News where I said that um, uh, I was asked a similar question to what you asked me about as far as other sports activities and other events and teams, franchises and things of that nature. And I said, well, the problem we have here is that it's so tough because everything is measured to the, to, against the University of Alabama football. I meant that as the ultimate compliment, and you wouldn't believe how much grief I got. And this is when Paul and I had gotten started in talk radio at WAPI, and Bernie Barker, our GM, would, the GM there would not put us on before sundown. I mean, he was he was a smart businessman, and then things began to evolve, and Paul is who Paul is today. And uh, but but you know, it was just a situation that uh, I, I didn't mean anything but good by it. Uh, because it's back to your base question today. Alabama football is the foundation of all aspects of sports in this state. Now, Auburn folks, again, like I said, can get upset with me about that. And UAB has got so far to go, but they're trying. Uh, you know, but it's the anchor is Alabama football. You're absolutely right. Uh, another thing I think people tend to overlook uh, because could, of could their... I Can I say one other thing? Sure. I, and, and Alabama gymnastics. And Alabama basketball, when Wimp Sanderson was there, I mean, we can all go back to to uh, Coach Sonny Smith at Auburn, and, and there were some moments in Auburn basketball. Uh, there have been a moment or two uh, with Auburn baseball. Uh, Auburn swimming, uh, of course, has been just a benchmark in essence, and, and Auburn football too. But the, Alabama, the overall Alabama athletic department is one that, uh, other than a few years of some problems and trials and tribulations uh, – uh, a few years of being average. Well, having a, the average – I started to say the average Joe is a head football coach, but I, I guess you could say the average Mike. They quit calling the coach's coach down there and just started saying Mike. I mean, you went through Dubose and, and Price, Price and Shula and, you know, type thing. And, well, but, it's 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 going to happen, and, and I think what you're getting at too is, is the issue of strong, strong, dedicated leadership, and that's what Coach Saban – has been pro- providing for this program for the past several years. It's We saw it with Coach Bryant. People that are older than us uh, saw it with Frank Thomas and Wallace Wade. Well, I, don't want, I don't want to knock you off that stool right there, but can you imagine if Rich Rodriguez had stayed true to his acceptance of the offer of the University of Alabama head football coach, which he was offered that job, he accepted it. Feinbaum took a shot at Rodriguez's wife, and he got up the next morning after hearing all about that and, and she hearing all about that. And, and, and that's how Nick Saban got the job. And, and I will tell you this, had Rich Rodriguez come to the University of Alabama, uh, who knows what further damage would have been done. But that was a situation. And I think Nick Saban and Terry Saban would have gone to West Virginia, would have gone home to West Virginia. But uh, uh, different twists, different turns. A lot of Alabama people have forgotten that. Rich Rodriguez was offered the job, he accepted it, and then he gave it back. Well, I think right here we can just be thankful for divine providence. Well, yeah, call it divine intervention, divine interruption. And I'll uh, take it. Hey, Bob, turning the corner right here. 
Uh, I remember us talking in the past about some of your experiences with Coach Stallings, speaking of strong leadership, and how he was always so ready to be helpful and support good causes. Can you share a couple of those instances with us? Yeah, and if I could, I'd like to share a couple of the same thing in reference to Coach Bryant. Uh, if I could start with yeah, Coach Bryant. Yeah, uh, please do. First off, I, I had the honor and, and privilege of talking with Coach Bryant twice. And uh, one of the first times I ever talked to him, my parents, again, my father, my, both my late mom and dad, uh, I got a plaque uh, for Christmas, uh, and it was Coach Bryant's uh, To Be Successful. To be successful, you must have a, a plan. You must work your plan. You must plan for the, un- the unexpected. And I had that on my, on my wall. I still do. And I asked Coach Bryant one night. He was speaking to the Birmingham Touchdown Club uh, years and years and years ago, and I had a chance to meet him, and I asked him, I said, Coach, I have a question. Uh, I've got that plaque. Would you mind explaining to me uh, the importance of the unexpected? And I'm not going to try. I wouldn't dare try to mock Coach Bryant or, you know, impersonate him whatsoever. But he, he just sternly looked down at me. And he said, most of us don't know how to win. And I further confused me. And I, I said, Coach? And he said, well, you know, if you, if you have a plan, you work your plan, all of a sudden you get a, a, a three-touchdown lead. Most of us didn't really expect that, no what matter you, how cocky. What are you going to do? Yeah, what are you gonna do? how are you going to handle that? And I, I think that was profound. The other time was once when uh, I was executive director of the Hall of Fame Ball and got a call one Sunday afternoon from Charlie Thorne. He said, Bob, do you have a moment to speak to Coach Bryant? <laughs> hey, uh, Steve and Mark, I, I'm like 31 years old. And I said, yes. Yeah. And, and Coach Bryant's on the line, and he's telling me about this team uh, that he thinks our bowl committee should consider. A little team up there in the Appalachians called East Carolina. One of his former coaches uh, was the head football coach. Pat Dye. Pat Dye. And he said, uh, might not be the greatest thing for you to do right now, but it will pay dividends down the road. And our committee uh, chose not to uh, because they thought Mizzou Television would be too upset about that. But Charlie Thornton told me, he said, now call me back if you don't mind after the meeting. Let me, let, let me know what the committee feels about that so I can share that with Coach Bryant. And I called him back and told him, and he told Coach Bryant, and then Charlie called me back. And he said, Coach Bryant wanted to thank you for taking the recommendation to the committee. Now, that, that just those two moments just will never leave me. Uh, Coach Stallings, probably the moment of moments, and I've had the privilege to be around Coach Stallings a few times, was when he was in our studio for, a, for an interview one afternoon, and he and Feinbaum rapped and tapped and talked for about 15, 20 minutes. You know, I was the Ed McMahon of that show, and I'm sitting back just taking it in. And then we took a break, and we took calls, and the second caller, a gentleman said, Coach, I need your help. He said, uh, uh, I just got home from the hospital, and my wife just – brought our first child uh, in. We just delivered our first child, and, and he's Down syndrome. Coach Bryant, Coach, <laughs> Coach Stallings, you know, I'll never forget the look on his face, too. He said, did you just tell me you're at home? I did, Coach. I, I, just, I just had to come home. He said, well, you're going to do two things. Number one, you're going to listen to me, and then number two, you're going to get in that car and go back to that hospital, climb in that bed with your wife, and ask the nurse to bring you all your baby. He said, because God has just given you just an incredible blessing. And, and, you know, Steve, I'm sitting there. I'm emotional right now. I mean, I'm sitting there watching Coach Stallings and, and knowing John Mark. I'm with you. And then he came to speak for a foundry breakfast a couple of years ago. And uh, John Casmus, uh, thanks to John Casmus, he helped get Coach uh, uh, Stallings here. And I met John as he flew in at the airport with uh, Coach Stallings. And Coach Stallings got in the car, and he, he said, let me, let me take a moment to call home. And he called, and it was three weeks before John Mark passed away. And John Mark was struggling with his oxygen levels. But I'm sitting there in my car 
listening to a dad talk about uh, his son with his wife and what was going on, but yet he committed and he came here and followed through. The one that I really loved, though, that Coach Stallings in a different way, in a humorous, light way, was in, and many of you Alabama fans have, have read this, heard this, was uh, when Coach Stallings' daughters started dating. And the young men, the quarters, would come to the door. As soon as they got out of the car and started toward the door, John, oh Mark, John Mark would be sitting oh there. Boy. And before they rang the doorbell, he had opened the door, John Mark would. And, and he'd say, come on in, my daddy wants to ask you a question. Of course, they'd freeze in their tracks, and, and Coach, Coach Stallings would be coming down the hall, and they'd say, John Mark, what is your dad? What does he want to ask me? And he said, he wants to know if you've got a job and uh, as a dad. But, uh, you know, I could go on and on. Just being in the presence of some of those great people, and Coach Stallings has spoken to the foundry. It was a city of hope then and uh, just delivered a great message. Coach Stallings said everyone in this room can give something. And he also, that night, Steve, and it's just hit me, uh, he also that night paid tribute to some group of people that he thought had as much to do with the University of Alabama winning national championships as he did, players, coaches, fans, everybody. And he said that were the folks who were working two jobs, and that were the people who were in that building every night cleaning it up. Mm. Because he said uh, when they got to work the next morning, uh, uh, they went in and they took pride immediately. And uh, that's where that's the pieces of the puzzle that most of us miss. And uh, Coach Stallings, uh, he had such an incredible grip uh, from what Coach Bryant had taught him. And also, that's why he didn't follow Coach Bryant, because when they called Coach Stallings, and that was Coach Bryant's first, first he, choice. He was under contract. He was under contract to March 31st. I think if cooler heads had prevailed, history would have been changed. Oh, boy. Bob? Uh, I can't tell you how much I've enjoyed this. It's uh, so great of you to take time. I know you're busy as a one-armed paper hanger. Thank goodness. You know, uh, and uh, it's just great to get to hang out with you a while and talk and everything. Uh, if somebody wants to get in touch with you, what's the best way to do that? Call my cell phone. I don't mind giving that out at all. Please uh, do. Just, just call it 427 Three, two, one, three. I want to take hats off to you. Uh, you know, this is what it's about. And I, I love your attitude. I love you. You and Mark, we talked about what you guys are putting together and, and, and all the people, the powers to be that are helping make this happen. Uh, this is what it's about. And, and we ought to be able to talk about it. And, and we ought to be able to, to express our opinions, too. And they won't always, uh, we won't always agree with each other. No, but, but it's uh, supposed to be fun. Absolutely. When that prologue, prolate spheroid uh, starts to bounce, and it takes strange bounces, uh, you know, let's just be proud of the programs we have here in this state. Well, everybody, don't forget to subscribe to Bama Talk Show right here on iTunes. By the way, there's a free podcast app available for your mobile device that makes saving these shows for your grandchildren easy and convenient. You know, and with birthdays coming up and Christmas just around the corner, just think of the joy on the face of that special someone when they open a gift of downloaded Bama Talk Show podcast. Does it get any better? And, of course, remember to visit our Bama Talk Facebook page. Feel free to post comments and offer suggestions. Keeping in mind, of course, that there's been great progress made in internet crime forensics. In any event, let us know where you're listening from. So far, Chuck Essery from Palmer, Alaska is our most distant subscriber, so we're glad to know we've got titers tuned in on the tundra. Well, it's about time to head for the locker room, y'all. We've had a great time. We hope you did. Keep listening. Tell your friends about us. Till next time, take care. Have a blessed day and roll tide.